Six needs for your podcast website design or WordPress theme. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 255. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Your website is the internet home for your podcast, and it's very important that you have a website for your podcast. You don't have to have a website. But you'll be much more successful with your podcast if you have one. All you really need in order to have an actual technical podcast is an RSS feed and downloadable media, and your media is attached to that RSS feed through certain technical things called an enclosure and some other stuff too. But that's the basics of having a podcast. What you get if you host your podcast on a service like SoundCloud is not a website. It's a page on SoundCloud's site. What you get from a service like Libsyn or Squarespace, or if you host your own website with WordPress, those are certainly websites. And even on Libsyn, even though it's on their platform, you can still customize it. You can change the branding. It doesn't have to say Libsyn on it, and it doesn't link to other Libsyn shows. It's your own site within their little structure that they have for managing your content. So it is your site, but it's not running WordPress. Whatever you're using for creating your website, it needs to have the ability to implement these six different needs. These are parts of the design of your website, and you don't have to be a website designer. You don't even have to be working with a website designer, but if you are working with a designer or you need one, I can refer you to one, or if you're trying to choose a WordPress theme or you're using some kind of website builder, keep these six things in mind so that you can grow your audience, you can engage with your audience better, and you can build your authority through your website. These six things are, number one, a prominent player. That is how people listen to your episodes. Number two, a mobile-optimized experience. Does your website work on smaller screens and mobile devices? Number three, calls to action. Have one and repeat it but make sure it's repeated in relevant contexts. Number four, a tagline description, what people will know about your podcast just by visiting your website. Number five, unified branding. This would be ensuring that your podcast cover art, your website design, and everything about your podcast looks connected to each other. And number six, cleanliness, making sure that you're not stuffing too much onto your website and keeping it all clean. If you'd like to follow along in the show notes for this episode number 255, then go to the slash design needs. Let's dig into this in more depth. And I will have some specific WordPress themes and plugins and some other recommendations along the way. And you'll definitely want to then visit the show notes for that at the slash design needs. Number one, a prominent player. Your website needs to be as simple as visit website, press play. With such a simple design, and it is the design that makes this possible, you don't have to tell people, yeah, find my podcast in iTunes or in this particular app or anything like that. You simply tell them your website address 
And when they visit it, the design makes it obvious for where your player is that it's a podcast and that they can press play to listen. Visit website, press play. It needs to be that easy. This doesn't mean that your podcast player has to be the biggest or most prominent thing on the page. If you're focused primarily on your podcast and getting people to listen to your podcast, then maybe it should be the biggest thing on your page. But I do recommend for sure, don't let it be hard to find on your site and make sure that the player is visible on your website from the front page. So that way people can visit website, press play. It's not visit website, find a particular post, scroll down to the bottom, find the player, then press play. It's as simple as or close to as simple as visit website, press play. This is one of the reasons why I really like the appendipity themes for WordPress. They are designed for podcasters and they're designed with prominent podcast players, especially the Marin Pro theme. And these players can integrate really nicely with your existing PowerPress workflow. So you don't have to change a whole lot about the way you're doing things if you've been using PowerPress for a while. There are other players and themes out there that may be designed for podcasters, but they don't integrate with PowerPress. So you have to change your workflow. And then if you ever want to stop using those players or themes, then you have to go back and fix all of your previous posts or change your workflow again. Look for something that integrates with PowerPress. And that's a big reason why I like Appendipity. And I do have an affiliate link in the show notes for this episode if you're interested in purchasing one of the Appendipity themes. But while Appendipity makes themes designed specifically for podcasters, you don't have to have a WordPress theme designed for podcasters in order to have a great website design for a podcast. Really, take any other theme and add a prominent player to it, and now you've got a podcast theme. It's really that simple for you. Now, how that theme works with displaying your player could be simple or complicated, My favorite other theme providers are StudioPress and Elegant Themes, and I do have links to them in the show notes as well. But there are many themes out there that you can use that as long as you can make your player prominent and make it as obvious as visit website, press play, then you have a great website for a podcast. And you can get players for your podcast from all kinds of places. It could be as simple as PowerPress. That comes with multiple players built into it. You could use one of those on your website. Or maybe your theme integrates with PowerPress already to give you a more enhanced player, like the Appendipity themes do. If you're using Libsyn to host your media, then you already have access to a great player from Libsyn. Log into your Libsyn account and look at your individual episodes to get that information for the embed code for your Libsyn player. But if you want something a bit more extensive that integrates more tightly with WordPress, look at plugins like Simple Podcast Press, Smart Podcast Player, or a new one that's coming, Podcast Player, that's without an E at the end. All of these are designed for podcasters, and they have different levels of integration with PowerPress and with WordPress, but they all look great, have great features in them. And I have links to these in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash design needs. And these do cost, these premium WordPress plugins do cost, and that might be worth it to you. Or you could work with what you already have if you're using Libsyn to host your media or PowerPress on your website, but these can give you a player on your site. And then how this ties in with the design of your site, because the player is partially design, partially functionality, 
but the design of your website can make that player more prominent. Some of this is the design of the theme, like where does it put that player? Does it do something special with the player, like the Appendipity themes do? But also some of it is based on your decisions with how you're going to work with your website content, like putting the player at the top of the post, at the bottom of the post, near the top of the post, things like that, having a large player with big buttons, that's all influenced with the design. You don't want a small image or small buttons or tiny little thing hidden somewhere. You want to make it prominent. You could also have a playlist player, which is where it lists multiple episodes, not only your latest episode, but several episodes that people could select one of those episodes and press play on either your homepage or one of your other appropriate pages. These kinds of playlist players, which do come inside of PowerPress, inside of Libsyn, inside of Simple Podcast Press, inside of Smart Podcast Player, inside of Podcast Player, inside of Cool Podcast Player, all of these different players that are available, most of these do have their own playlist players so that you can make a podcast page on your site If your site isn't focused on your podcast, but you want your podcast to have its own section, a playlist player can be great for that. And that ties in with your site design. So it's how prominent you make it, what kind of player that you're using. These are design decisions that you need to make with your website, with your WordPress theme, or whatever website builder that you're using. And you can't use plugins like Simple Podcast Press or Smart Podcast Player on a non-WordPress site But you can use Libsyn or the Spreaker player, those kinds of things on your site, and that could work a lot better than what those website builders might give you otherwise. That's number one, a prominent player. Number two need for your podcast website or WordPress theme is a mobile optimized experience. Podcasts are nowadays primarily consumed on mobile devices, so it makes sense that your website should be optimized for those same mobile devices. Because someone could be listening on their iPhone, for example, and you say visit such and such website, and then maybe they actually visit it because they're sitting down, they're not involved with something else or distracted by driving or anything like that. They're able to focus on it so they can visit your website. If you're curious what kind of website traffic that you're getting and what kinds of devices are accessing your web pages, then you need some good analytics software. I use and recommend Google Analytics, and to get this information from Google Analytics, log in to your particular website's analytics, then go to Audience, then Mobile, and Overview, and you'll see Desktop, Mobile, and Tablet. Really, I would consider Mobile and Tablet to be in the same category, and that is handheld, mobile, touchscreen, smaller screen devices. But I can see why they would split them out because a tablet is a larger screen, but it is still touch-based. It's larger than a smartphone, but probably smaller than a computer, depending on which tablet you're working with, that is. But when you add up those mobile and tablet numbers together, that gives you an idea of how many people are visiting your website on some device they can carry around and integrate with by tapping with their finger. And your website needs to be optimized for that kind of experience. There are many other stats providers that also can give you this information too. And I can't point you to where in those other programs, but you can find out how. But when you look at something like my Once Upon a Time podcast, for example, 50% of our website traffic, both during the TV season and off the TV season, 50% is from non-PC devices, tablets, and mobile phones visiting the website, half of our traffic. 
So we need to make an optimized experience for them. Otherwise, it makes it difficult to consume the content to take action on what I want them to or just to know what they're doing on this site or visit website, press play. If they can't do that on their mobile device, then it's not a mobile optimized experience. And mobile optimized means more than avoiding flash. Flash is at this point really a dead technology on the internet. Many browsers have stopped supporting it. Many mobile devices don't support it anymore. But mobile optimization is all about the design and flow of your website so that that design and flow adjusts to the size of the browser. This is what we call responsive web design. High-quality modern website themes and content management systems do support this without the need for extra plugins. And the benefit of using something that is responsive instead of some plugin that switches over to an m.myawesomepodcast.com kind of thing is that these responsive themes, for the most part, maintain your visual branding. That would be your fonts, your colors, your logo, certain other decisions like that that help unify your branding. Whereas if you're using some other plugin or you redirect people to a mobile website, then it might not carry over all of that same branding automatically. My favorite theme makers, those are Appendipity, Studio Press, and Elegant Themes at this time, now make only responsive WordPress themes. So if you choose any of their new themes, you'll be fine with it. If you're looking through the WordPress theme directory, make sure you find a theme that's been recently updated but that it's responsive as well. And any other content management system you're working with, make sure that you choose a theme that makes your website responsive. The way that you can figure this out is visit your website on a small mobile device. I recommend something like an iPhone 5 or 5S, the smaller 4-inch screens. Or you could use a larger device like an iPhone 6 or 6 Plus or an iPad or an Android device, anything like that. The main thing is use a smaller device. If you don't have a smaller device at your disposal, then another way to do this is visit your website in a browser and then simply shrink the width of the browser to as small as it gets. A responsive website design will then reflow the content and resize certain things based on the width, sometimes even the height of the browser. So then you can usually see how the website looks on smaller screens. You may not be able to go as small as your mobile device screen is, but still you get a pretty good idea of how things look. And this is when you need to consider, is your website as easy as visit website, press play, even on these mobile devices? Like how easy is your website to use? Does your player extend beyond the screen so someone has to swipe left or right to try and get to the edge of your player? Do your videos scale proportionally so that there are no black bars on the top and bottom of your videos? You might need to refresh your website after you've scaled it in your desktop browser, but when you load it for the first time in your mobile browser, that's what other mobile users will see for the most part. And if you can, try on Android as well as iPhone, as well as Windows Phone. You could even just walk into Best Buy or some other retailer and just visit your website on a couple different devices that they have there if they're okay with letting you do that. That can give you an idea then of what are some of the things that are broken about your website? What are some of the things that work well? And you can ask other people too, hey, do you have such and such a device? Can you visit my website? Let me know what you think. And there are services out there where you can pay for them and they'll give you screenshots of your site in different size browsers and such. 
But especially take note of how your widgets behave on these small devices. The widgets may move to the bottom of the screen, like especially your sidebar widgets, or they could disappear altogether. So if there's crucial information in your widgets, then look at where that crucial information goes on your devices. This is one of the many reasons, really, that the sidebar is no longer as important as it used to be for promoting things. And really, I think you should stop referring to items on your website based on their horizontal locations. That is the left or right side of the screen, because you may say, click on such and such button on the right side of the screen. But if someone visits on a mobile device, there is no right side of the screen. It's now at the bottom of the screen, or maybe it's hidden altogether. So keep that in mind, how your content reflows based on your website design or the theme that you choose. This is number two, a mobile optimized experience. Number three need for your podcast website design or WordPress theme is calls to action. Here's a general rule about calls to action. Have one and repeat it. Or put in another way, stop giving so many calls to action. I think many podcasters, and I know I'm guilty of this too, we're all often guilty of the same sin, and that is including too many calls to action. For example, subscribe in iTunes, subscribe in Stitcher, subscribe in Google Play, rate and review the podcast, comment on this episode, share this podcast or share this episode, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow me on Snapchat, follow me on Pinterest, join the email list, buy this thing, buy the sponsor, buy this affiliate product, visit the sponsor's website, email me with your feedback, call me with your feedback, send in your voice feedback through the website. This and more... I've heard in a few podcasts all of these calls to action in a very short amount of space. If I asked you to do all of these things, what's the chance that you would actually do all of them? Probably zero. You might do one of them, but I've overwhelmed you with so many options that you might forget what that one was that you actually wanted to do. So narrow this down to ask for very few things of your audience. I really recommend have one call to action and make it repeatable. Now, you can have different calls to action in different contexts, and that is okay. But when it comes to this long list of calls to action, and many podcasters will ask for this at the beginning of their content, don't do that. Please don't. But whether you put it in the beginning or at the end, if you have this long list of calls to action, and I say this with all love, stop it. We're often asking way too much from our audience. And sometimes it's even before we have given any value. So why would they want to reciprocate if we're asking them for stuff before we've even given them anything first? So think about your call to action and think of that one thing that is the most important thing that if your podcast audience did nothing else, you would want them to do this one thing. That's your call to action. Now you can focus on making multiple calls to that one action. That could be throughout the episode. That could be throughout your website. And there are different contexts for different calls to action and vice versa. In your podcast, it might make more sense to ask people to join your email list. But on your email list, It's completely pointless to ask people to join your email list because they're already on it. 
in your podcast, it might be more relevant to ask them to subscribe, and that might be more relevant in certain times in your podcast. So think carefully about what is the call to action for this particular piece of content or for this particular section of the website and strengthen that call to action. And every time you're giving a call to action, you're calling someone to take action on something, ensure that you communicate what the value is. Don't simply say, subscribe to the podcast. It's subscribe to the podcast so you receive every episode automatically. It's not just join my email list. It's join my email list and download this great guide that I've made for you or get this great guide that I've made for you. Just enter your email address here. You're communicating the value that you're offering in your call to action. I have a separate conversation about calls to action, maybe in a future episode, and certainly I'll be talking about it more inside of Podcaster Society. But you can also include separate calls to action in different sections of your website. Like maybe on your homepage, the most important call to action is listen to your latest episode, or maybe it's subscribe to your podcast, or if you're running a business, maybe your most important call to action is to join your email list. Whatever that thing is for that particular context, make it prominent and repeat it and try not to dilute it by adding all of these other calls to action in the same thing. Think about someone's flow through your content. You don't ask them to subscribe at the beginning. Ask them to subscribe later on after you've shown them this is the kind of content you'll get if you subscribe. This is number three, calls to action. Number four need for your podcast website design or your WordPress theme is a tagline description. Your website needs to communicate what your podcast is about within only a few seconds. The visual branding does help. So if someone goes to my website, they see the logo for the Audacity to Podcast, they see a microphone, they see an RSS icon that communicates generally this is something about podcasting. That's one of the reasons it's not a good idea to have a microphone, headphones, or RSS icon in a logo for a podcast because it makes it seem like you're talking about RSS or microphones or headphones when you might be talking about sports. Then it would make no sense to have a microphone. It would make more sense to have that ball or whatever it is that's part of that sport as part of your icon or logo. And it might seem cliche at first, but it makes total sense for the industry. Like it's cliche to use a microphone on your cover art for a podcast, unless you have a podcast about podcasting, then it's totally understandable to use a microphone or to use a football in a podcast about football. Totally understandable. It communicates. Now, that's the aspects of your visual design, and that goes more into your actual logo that you're using. But we're not talking about logo design here. We're talking about your website design or the WordPress theme that you choose. And one of the things that your design can emphasize is the tagline description. This is what communicates in written words what your podcast is about. I recommend that you put this prominently on the homepage of your website, as well as maybe a little less prominently on your subsequent pages of your website. And this will help people know, what is this about? When people visit your website and your homepage, can they tell right away what your website is about or what your podcast is about? If not, maybe you need to work on your visual branding a little bit, but certainly Make sure your website lets you put a tagline somewhere on there prominently near the top. If you look at any of the websites 
for the podcast on Noodle Mix Network. You'll see this very prominently at the top, taglines that explain what this podcast is about. It could be like on the audacitytopodcast.com. There's a prominent tagline that says a how-to podcast about podcasting, helping you to launch or improve your own podcast. That's a short tagline there. When you're trying to figure out what your tagline description is, don't be cute here. Think about how would you explain your podcast in fewer than five seconds. That's your tagline description. This is not your elevator pitch, a 30-second thing or a long description. This is that short thing that takes you five seconds to say. For the Audacity Podcast, it's an in-depth podcast about podcasting, helping you to launch or improve your own podcast. It's about five seconds long or so. That's the kind of thing you need to work on for your own podcast and put that prominently on your site. So when people visit the site, they see that and they know, oh, that's what that podcast is about. I'm interested, or maybe they'll think, oh, no, I'm not interested. It's better for them to know whether they would be interested up front than to deceive them And then they decide later, this was a waste. Don't make people feel like they wasted their time. Tell them up front what your podcast is about. That's number four, a tagline description. Some themes or website management systems don't let you put text like this very prominently on your site. So I would suggest you consider a theme that does allow you to put a little bit of text prominently on your site. Number five, unified branding. Your website design needs to match the rest of your podcast branding. This doesn't mean that you have to hire a professional website designer, but if you want one, I can refer you to one or a couple that I recommend. I no longer offer design services myself, but I do refer that out to others. But making a unified branding could be as simple as using the same colors or imagery that you use in your podcast cover art. If you have a logo for your podcast, use it on your site. Not necessarily the square cover art image, although there could be a place for that, but maybe it's just the title from that image, or maybe the background image of your cover art is the background image on your website, or maybe it's a framed image. It could be the same colors. You use a particular blue in your cover art, and you use that same blue on your website, or an orange, or purple, or whatever it is. If you can match your fonts, that can be great too, but matching fonts can be really difficult because it could be that you're using a font that just isn't designed to work on the internet, like there's no way to put it on your website. The process of using a special font on a website could be complicated depending on where you got that font, or it may cost you depending on where you got that font. And it's also possible that whatever font you're using for your cover art simply doesn't look good when you use it all over the place on your website. If you can, matching your fonts is good, but don't make that a big priority. It can get complicated and messy sometimes. If you're working with a professional designer, do ask them to match the fonts. But if you're doing this on your own, don't worry about matching the fonts. You can try to get close and that's good, but focus on matching the colors and the other imagery that you use on your website with what you use in your podcast cover art. Think of it like this. If we turned this into a game where there are multiple podcast cover arts and there are multiple screenshots of different podcast websites, could someone easily match your podcast cover art to your website design and vice versa? If so, then you have a good unified branding. If not, and I'm talking purely about the visual branding, not the words, but how you display the words, the colors, the imagery, if they can't connect these two things, 
then you don't have unified branding. Your website design needs to support that. Many themes do let you change the colors, change the fonts, add your own images in different places. Take advantage of that to make it look more like your cover art. Or if you really want, you could hire a designer who can design your branding all together and make it look perfectly seamless. But that can get expensive, so I don't recommend it for everyone. But if you need a designer, I can refer you to one. That's number five, unified branding. And number six, cleanliness. I've told you things that your website needs to have on it. But something I do want to do is stop you from thinking, oh, I need to add this to my site and add this and add this and add this and add this. The more that you add, the less you give. The less is more ideology has really proven itself effective in many different contexts, shopping, design, all kinds of things. And the fewer items that you have on your website, not only the faster your site will load, but also the more focused a visitor can be on what they came to do and on what you want them to do. So seriously consider everything that's already on your website, as well as seriously considering what you want to add to your website and decide whether it truly needs to be there. There are many things that people put on their websites that don't really help them that much. They slow down your website and they confuse people when they visit your website. So things to look at removing from your website to keep it clean are those social network boxes like the Facebook box or your latest tweets or that kind of stuff. There could be sign-up forms like sign up for my email list and it's a form where people see the form fields right there or a contact form. Try and simplify it as much as possible. You could use a button and a pop-up even. And this is something I love lead pages for is instead of revealing the form on the website, it's a button. So people press the button. The button is more actionable than a form. And people are pressing those buttons in order to sign up for my email list or do those things I want them to do through those buttons. Instead of a widget that has your latest post, consider instead a most popular or most requested section. This is something I'm going to be doing very soon on my own website, theaudacitypodcast.com, is making an FAQ section for the site, especially as I start changing the way that I handle my email correspondence so that I can do for a few people what I wish I could do for many and to keep myself from being overloaded with all of my email and present better value through my own website. Also, if you have categories and tag clouds on your website, those might be good things to remove because people often don't use them. People would be more interested to see the most popular content than to see, oh, these are the different categories, or here's a tag cloud. Keep your website clean. Think of it like your calls to action. The more stuff you pile in, the less likely it is for people to do what you want them to do or for them to do what they came to do. Keep it clean so that they can do those things. That's number six, cleanliness. Once again, these six needs for your podcast website design or WordPress theme are available in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash design needs. And they are number one, a prominent player. Number two, a mobile optimized experience. Number three, calls to action. Number four, a tagline description. Number five, unified branding. And number six, cleanliness. In the website themes for WordPress that I recommend, those are from Appendipity, Studio Press, and Elegant Themes, and I have those links in the show notes, they do give you control over all of these things 
or the flexibility to tap into them and do these things with your website so that you can have a website that helps you grow your podcast, helps you engage better with your existing audience, and helps you to build authority where you need it. If you'd like to get any of these resources I mentioned, then please visit the show notes for episode 255 at com slash design needs. Coming up on February 18th, 2016, I'm excited to share another webinar that will be free and open to the public. And this is from Podcaster Society, but I'll be doing this webinar with Troy Heinrichs, host of the Blacklist Exposed podcast and several other podcasts. And we'll be talking about amazing ways to promote and grow your podcast. Register for that by going to podcasterssociety.com slash webinar. And that will allow you to register for this completely free webinar. And this will be another opportunity that you can join Podcaster Society to get bonus content that we'll be releasing and a lot of other cool stuff coming. But right now, I want you to focus on just be there for the webinar. There will be a replay available for a short time afterward. Register for that free webinar and the replay by going to podcastersociety.com slash webinar. That will be at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, February 18th, 2016. The audacity to podcast.com slash design needs does also have that link to the webinar if you'd like to register for that i want to thank someone who left a kind review for me in itunes this came from michael yun in the usa said must subscribe if you want to podcast this podcast is always a must listen even if i already consider myself well versed in a particular topic because daniel always looks at things from all the angles and always mentions something that I never thought about. The amount of research he puts into each episode is apparent, as is the fact that he cares about his listeners and email subscribers. I just started my own podcast, Your Creative Push, but I thank Daniel for helping to give me the push to finally do it. Thank you very much for that kind review in iTunes. If you'd like your own international podcast reviews emailed to you automatically from all 155 iTunes stores, Stitcher, and much more coming in the future, then go to mypodcastreviews.com and sign up for a free or paid account over there. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.